Hello, friends. This is Heavy, your old buddy Heavy. It's just me. Um, so we're going to talk about some things here. Ty's off doing beautiful things. Gustav is doing Gustav things. So I've been wanting to talk to you folks about... Now, you know, lots of folks nowadays are worried about their health. And, uh, you know, eating fish is a big thing. You know, cutting back on on red meats and even pork's getting a bad name nowadays and chicken hell you you don't know what they're pumping into those chickens so a lot of people are eating fish so i want to talk with you about the proper way to skin a crappie to fit to uh dress your crappie now some folks go bone in and uh you know scale them and and uh just gut them go that away and uh you know, and that's fine if if you want to eat like that. I myself, I prefer fillets. Um, I fillet everything. It doesn't matter whether it's a bluegill or a crappie or a bass. I'm going to fillet it all. And, and with blue, now bluegill, some of the best eating that you'll ever have. It takes a lot of them, but man, they're good. Now with crappie, I prefer a crappie to be about pound to a pound and a half anything smaller than that you know a lot of folks you know with lakes they go by length limit i go by weight it's all about the girth just ask the ladies and so don't worry about the length it's the thickness so if you go about a pound pound and a half crappie that'd be about from the end of your middle finger oh just past your wrist well a little bit past your wrist and uh and good and thick fly that sucker up and the ladies will love it they love them when they're good and thick now the a lot of folks have different ways of breading their fish i prefer cornmeal with a little bit of flour just a little bit of flour like maybe a three to one ratio throw in some tony satries but the kicker is to get that bread into stick now what i do is i'll clean my sink out real good and i'll take a bottle of yellow mustard and i'll squirt the whole bottle of mustard in the sink coat the fish in the mustard and then coat it in the breading and then throw it in the fryer now the mustard you'll never taste the mustard it just it acts as a uh almost like a coagulant type substance that just helps that breading stick a lot better than milk and egg would do and uh then you fry it up don't fry it too much though you just just till they're start just when they start floating that's when you want to pull them make sure your grease is good and hot you know the whole thing about you know get your grease good and hot and you know it's hot enough when you can throw a match in it and the, and the match strikes that's a bunch of bullshit that you don't want to do that you're going to ruin your grease that's one of those things my dad told me and it's bullshit you're going to ruin your grease doing it like that there's a reason you don't have your own solo podcast this is awful (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I can't just sit here and talk by myself. Oh my God, that's bad. Well, this is Can You Hear Me? The podcast that will not be City of Heavy ever again, Lord willing. Oh my gosh. The folks like that though. Everybody has, everybody loves crappie. Okay. First off, everybody's going to try that. Okay. So that's great. I, I didn't say there was not value added to what your content was. Okay. Cause I do think that was solid. Okay. All right. But <laughs> I said, did I sound like one of those guys that has a, uh, weekly column in a low level East Texas newspaper that yes. talks about that you just know, has a buddy that owns the local radio station that lets right. you come on for exactly. 10 minutes to fill exactly. in. Exactly. Now let me tell you about the best way to catch panfish. Yes, that's exactly what that was. Yeah. All right, this is Can You Hear Me, the podcast that's normally three guys, but Ty is off doing beautiful things or beautiful people or something of some such. I imagine both. And so you got Heavy and I uh, back together again. I, we, I've got to thinking, I think I made the statement that we hadn't done a, a just a one-on-one episode in like 84, 83 episodes. That's not right because about a year ago, we were setting down to record, and we were waiting on one Tiberius. That's right. And we kept getting the text saying that he couldn't, he wasn't going to make it. Oh, yeah. Hold on, yep. hold on, hold on. I'm about to leave. Give me, give me forty five minutes. Right. Yeah. Anyways, because we ended up doing the Halloween episode by ourselves. That's right. And that's just about, uh, just about a year, just about a year ago. You're right. Yeah. So anyway, but that that struck my mind like no. We did do one by ourselves, and yeah. it was a pretty damn good episode. It was. It was solid. We don't need that pretty son of a bitch No, here. he is a pretty son of a bitch. I am Gustave Monteblanc. And I am America's favorite heavy longmire. And you can find that son of a bitch, Ty Webb, on Twitter at TyWebb3000. Pew, 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 pew. And you can find me at Real Gustav. And you can find me at Longmire Heavy. And we also have a show Twitter of Can You Hear Me Pod. We have a show Instagram, Can You Hear Me Pod. And always you can find us in all of our back episodes and detailed show notes at CanYouHearMePod.com. And if you would like to participate, which we love audience participation, you can email us at CanYouHearMePod at gmail.com. And you know what, Gus? What? People really do win on Can You Hear Me. Well, they, supposedly they win, but the follow through may take a long time. Well, you know, we try to, we try to keep our promises. There you go. But yes, Matt did win the hundred dollars for you for finding you the uh, dusty road uh, and video. If I'm remembering things right, you are in the process of sending a shirt to Australia. Yes, uh, we're going to send a shirt to Australia. Yeah, and we're going to send a shirt to Ecuador. Ecuador. And I love Ecuador, man. So Miss Carpe Diem, who is our Ecuadorian or Ecuadorita, anyway, she'll correct me. I hope Ecuadorita. She posts, Dorita. yeah, Dorita. Yeah. She posts on Instagram, and the pictures there. It's like we're living in the wrong damn place. It's gorgeous down there, man. Freaking gorgeous, gorgeous. So yes, I've got to uh, print those shirts and then. Figure out what it'll take to get through customs to both of those fine countries. Well, they won't check them. 
Well, I have to fill out some. Yeah, I mean, you're shipped internationally. You have to fill out a form. Do you? you yeah. Can't just run down to the post office and drop it. Can't off? just drop it in the box and and run. Huh. So, but yes, we uh, we are thankful for all of our listeners, but we're intrigued by our international listeners. So it's so great to hear from those abroad. I, it's fascinating. It is. It's. Yeah, it's mind blowing yeah. and strange. Danny down so there in, cool. in Melbourne, I assume he is an English as his first language speaker. But Miss Carpe, what Diem, else would he be? Well, I don't know if he's an immigrant and you know speaks oh. something else. Huh? Well, he's Australian, so You're you, right, you but would think he, he'd be. He is emailing us mate. from Australia. He's emailing us from Australia, but that doesn't mean he's from Australia okay, originally. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. But Miss you Carpe know the Diem history of is... the white uh, <laughs> of the white settilization, if that's a word. That's of, not a word of Australia. Yes, I do know that history. And why you got to bring up ugly parts of the past? Well, because I think it's very fascinating that England took all of their criminals and shipped them shipped to them the other side to of the, the world. Other side of the world. And I mean, because Australians are tough. I, when I think of Australians, I think of tough people. So all you know about Australia, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Crocodile Dundee. Yep. Mad Max. Yep. And that's it. Well, and that, Australian rules football. You're right. Yeah, and they're tough, man. That, that's all you know about Australia. Yeah, that's pretty tough stuff. There are. I am a fan of Australian cinema. Are you now? I am. Okay. Both the Highbrow Australian cinema, and also there is such a thing. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and also the you know Peter Weir, who you may know from movies like, um, oh, what was that Russell Crowe movie where he goes sells around the world back in like the seventeen hundreds? Uh, Master and what was it? Oh, Master and Command Man, or yeah. something. I, I think that was Peter that. Weir. Anyway, it's a good movie, but he made such great movies as. Uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock and Gallipoli and things like that. Very true cinema. Okay. But at the same time, there is the lowbrow cinema of Australia that was basically making it possible for those movies to be made. And they are fantastic, too. And that's where Mad Max comes from. Right. And lots of other things. And there's a great documentary called Not Quite Hollywood. Oh. And it goes through all of that lowbrow, you know... More of the people. So did Mel Gibson start in movies in Australia yes. and then come to America? Yes. Okay. Not coming to America, which is a whole right. other movie. That's a whole different movie. But yeah, he, you he know, got to start. And for all the crazy, bad, bad stuff Mel Gibson has said and done, <laughs> I like Mel Gibson. Well, that goes back to our d- discussion a couple of months ago about how can we separate, or if it's even possible to separate the art from the artist? Yeah, and I, th- <sighs> yeah, because I, and and I think I, you have to. I was thinking about this, and I know I say that a lot, but it's funny how kind of psychically in tune we are at times. I was thinking about this driving up, but I was thinking about uh, Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. but also how everybody focuses on that, which is bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what about that uh, dust up that Don Henley had in the early eighties, late seventies? I don't remember that. Yeah. Anyway, do with your a, research an, online. Uh, an underage, an underage, really? Yeah. 
And that just kind of got, eh. And nobody's throwing away their Eagles' greatest hits. Right. Well, it's done, Henley, you know. But, and that got me thinking about, again, context of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and specifically, I think the 60s and 70s were probably the, up until now, maybe, maybe the worst of that because the sexual revolution certainly probably emboldened lots of young women to at least get into situations where they might not have ever treaded before. Right. Not to victim shame in any way, shape, or form. Right. But there's no doubt that... Well, in the same way with men, as to maybe try things that... I think that was always happening. I mean... Yeah, you know, probably so. Probably so. But I think you had probably more freedom of movement and just more general openness to maybe go a certain distance, maybe not the full distance. And I think that just kind of the sexual revolution blew that up. But anyway, I was thinking about that on the way up. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, what Mel Gibson has said and done has certainly tainted his... Yeah, you just kind of... I just kind of squint and shake my head like, what the shit? But he made some damn good movies. Oh, yeah, he has. All, all you know is that little bit and the crocodile hunter. You know about yeah. him too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, so yes, by, based on all of that, Australians are tough. Yeah. And they have to deal with all of those road gangs. Oh, yeah. You know, all those motorcycle gangs. Yeah, and absolutely. Out there on the desert. Dudes just dressed like an SMM bondage gear. Yeah. Be tough living, man. Be tough living. I, I would like to go to Australia. Then, y- yes, which South America is on my, which I know that's huge. That's like saying Europe. Right. You know. But South America is on my serious to-do list. Yes. I, I love, and I, I just finished watching, um, a movie. It was, it was based on a true story, which I knew they were going to, you know, any of that that's based on a true story, they're going to trick it up some. But it's, uh, Land of Z. It's about the Percy Fawcett, the British explorer. Mm-hmm. In the early 1900s, who went to the Amazon, and he ended up. We went to the Amazon, led a exploration group over there in, in like 1906 or something like that. Found some stuff that was very interesting, but they were out of time. They had to get back. So on his third, which he was convinced that he could find this lost city that you know the Spanish explorers had talked about, and blah 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 blah. We make on his third expedition over there. He takes his son with him. His son is late teenage years at that time. Well, they disappear, and it's always been a mystery as to what actually happened with them. I just I'm thinking, you know, I mean, because that was not that long ago. No, no, absolutely not. I and, mean, which I'm sitting here saying that, but then I'm like, well, shit, it was about I know a hundred years ago, but. In the grand scheme of things, that's not that long ago well, to where... I, I think, well, I think we're, and this is our age creeping in on us, I think since we were born probably 60-ish years before that happened, that makes it, even though it's... After that happened. Yeah, after that happened, sorry. That makes it much more relevant time-wise yeah. versus someone that might be, you know, 100 years from it, the, yeah. mil- the millennial. right. That's that's ancient history, but just I mean, just looking at how li- I mean, there was n- there was no maps of when I, when he went back after World War One. I, I think he went back. His third expedition was in like nineteen twenty three or something. And uh, at this time, the Americans 
were starting to explore down there. So this, you know, fueled his, mm-hmm. okay, we got to get back, we got to get back, we got to get back before the Americans find something that, you know, that we could find. Right. And, uh, but there still weren't good maps. I mean, there were, it was like, they were mapping as they went, kind of. It's like, oh, holy and how shit. Do you, that's, how do you map jungle? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, 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 crazy. Which, speaking of that timeline right there, that got me thinking, so probably 10 years ago, I'd rewatched Ken Burns' Civil War. And I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? When my my grandparents were born... Like in 1916 and 1917, uh, 1918, one of my grandpas was born in 1915. I was like, growing up, they could have easily, easily known Civil War veterans. Sure. And, uh, which all my grandparents were dead at that time. But, uh, there were some old ladies at church that were about my grandparents' age. And I remember asking them one day, I was like, I got an odd question to ask y'all. I was like, do y'all remember when you were kids? Hold on, just a second. I want to clarify because it took me a second to, to process it. When you saw the Ken Burns Civil War documentary originally, all your grandparents were dead. It, the way you said it made it sound like it was confusing. Oh, yes, but yes, yeah, So yes, what yes. you're saying is there were, when the when documentary came out. When I rewatched it and I got to thinking gotcha, about that. Gotcha. I got to thinking about, you know, my grandparents could have easily known Civil War veterans when they were kids, you know, which they were dead so i couldn't ask them so i asked some old ladies at my church that i was friends with one of them was like yeah i remember this one old man that grew up down the road from us when we were kids and and he was a civil war veteran he only had one leg he's mean you know that kind of stuff and but she was the only one i could find you know because it was like that's not i mean that would be like my kid our kids knowing World War II veterans. Sure. Actually, no, it'd be like our kids knowing a Vietnam veteran. What? I mean, if somebody was in, let's say, since Vietnam went so long. Right. So if you think about it. Okay, somebody that was in Vietnam in 66. Six. 66. So they're 1866. So they're born in uh, 48. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's lots of, I mean, my dad's old enough to have been in Vietnam. But right. He, I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, but that's that's the same. Is that thing. the same age difference? There? Yeah, about. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, could you think of that being so long ago? Well, we we dealt with the immediate aftermath of it. I mean, I was born seventy four. No, I'm, I'm talking about oh, about the that, Civil yeah. War. But, you but think th- about those being... kids would think about Vietnam that far. In fact, I remember one of my kids, or actually a couple of them. They had met somebody's grandfather or great-grandfather at karate practice that was wearing like a Vietnam veteran hat. And I guess the guy mentioned it as they were talking to him or they asked about the hat or something. And they thought that was like the most intriguing thing ever. He was in the Vietnam War. And, you know, we knew lots and lots of people. Right. So it didn't seem like yeah to us that big a deal. But to them, that seemed like a... Right. A very exotic thing. That was, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's like the World War II vets. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of those not dudes lot. left, man. In fact, if I see somebody wearing a World War II vet hat now, you know, you're like, holy crap. Yeah. You, like, you must have been like 16 or something. You yeah. Know, to lied to get on the ship. Right. Well, Ken Burns, and I, I don't want to, I know 
we don't want we want to wait for Ty, but we have been watching the Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, Ken Burns documentary. I haven't finished yet. Yeah, haven't I, either. And but it's damn good. Yeah. So and he does a. I was interested to see which, like we just said, we won't kind of talk about it, but here I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I was interested to see what kind of slant right he would take because that's still one of those that you gotta so you gotta see both sides well and and to me what he did the best job of is the first two or three episodes painting the picture of how we originally got to what we think of with lbj's vietnam right Starting from, <clears throat> let's not go too deep because this is okay. we could easily go into this. And one of the things that I want to commend him on so far because I'm only about halfway, but it's this documentary. Like the Civil War was a two side documentary. You know, it's clearly it's you know North versus South, right? But with the Vietnam th- uh, one, it's a three sided and maybe four even. Wow, because it's North Vietnam mm. versus America, and then we get the American two sides of the pro-war versus anti-war movement. Right. And then you could have a North versus South Vietnam yeah. side, too. And I, we'll we'll wait till Ty's finished it, and we'll do a whole thing about it. I don't know how, you know, we're not going to stair-step everything through it, but my former work wife in Philadelphia, one of them, is a Vietnamese immigrant whose family, and she came over after the fall of Saigon. Oh, like in 75? In 75. And she was just a little, you know, I think she was one or two. But so her family fled. So I'm curious. I hadn't talked to her since this. I started watching it. I don't know if she started watching it. But I would be fascinated to hear her uh, take on it and her family's take, especially her parents are still with her. Mm-hmm. And to see what they think about it if they've watched it. Yeah. Because, you know, I know, I knew, I knew South Vietnam was a shit show as far as politics went. Mm-hmm. I'm learning things that I didn't know. Exactly. I, I knew there had been turmoil, but I didn't know as, as much as it had. And there's, yeah. And there's people on there, and we'll talk about it later, that I've gone and looked up more about because they, you just get a little nugget because it's so mm-hmm. damn big. And you're like, holy shit, this was going on. It's like I didn't realize until. This was maybe two, about two or three months ago. Just as a joke, one day at work, me and one of my coworkers, who's very learned, uh, not like us, not like us, but I mean, he he attempts to be. Right. All right. So about two or three months ago, I was talking with a, one of my coworkers, and I can't even remember what brought it up. We were talking about documentaries, and I'd ask him about they've been advertising about this coming up, mm-hmm. Kim Burns Vietnam. Which I had never heard this. He he said, uh, he asked me, he said, have you ever read much about Ho Chi Minh? I was like, no. And uh, he's like, he's not the necessarily the bad dude we yeah. made him out to be. And that's what, that's what, anyway. But yes. and, uh, and I was like, really? He's like, no. Said He said, from, you know, he wrote to Roosevelt. When Roosevelt was still in office, saying, "Hey, you know, right, we're said, getting too deep into this." Right, know, well, let me just okay. let me just lay on this. He's like, you know, he admired, you know, he took his inspiration from the American Revolution, us fighting the British, to them fighting the French, and he asked for Roosevelt's help, you know, and 
and America would never help him. And the Soviets volunteered for it, volunteered to help. So, you know, that's how that ended up like that ended. And it's just fascinating. The, the first two or three episodes how it lays all that out as, as far as to how we got to where we got. I wish, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can definitely talk a lot about that. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I wish it won't happen because God, Ken Burns has got to be getting into his seventies now. You know what? I bet, I bet he's early sixties. I don't know. Anyway, cause he looked like he was in his forties when he made the civil war. And that was what? Early nineties. Uh, it was either early nineties or late eighties. Yeah. So. He's got to be in his 70s. Which, I mean, he does a good job, to me, of not getting, which that's what I was, because I, I remember after Trump got elected, uh, I saw Ken Burns in an interview where he was pretty scathing of Trump. Right. And then with this documentary coming out, I was anxious to see, I mean, because pretty much all of his documentaries, they're down the middle. Uh, he Generally, he, I, I he, can't think of one a, that I've seen where it's... He does a good job of not... I mean, because with a documentary, you can sway it any way you want to sway it. Right. And to me, he does a good job in not doing that. Although this is the the most recent timeline that I know of that he's done one. Yeah. Which is always more dangerous. You know, I think right. Professor Brad would tell us that it's way easier to have the perspective of time on any history and even then it's always changing even you know yeah. there's revisionism yeah. well that's like even going back to uh that movie i was talking about the shit what's the name of it the land of z or whatever it is at the very end of it when they're rolling right the before ep- they roll the credits when they're given the some of the factual information they're saying that you know, some of the stuff that Percy Fawcett was looking for that he believed actually existed was finally discovered in the early 21st century. Sure. You know, all these, this labyrinth of ancient Amazon trails and this kind of stuff. You know, and he was searching for it in the 1920s, 19 teens. Yeah. There's, and, uh, and, and we never actually even found it till the 21st century, till the odds. They're always finding things now. Based on satellite imagery, where oh now we can see that you know? yeah, but these guys were were digging through, and I can't remember the I, I don't want to I don't want to dig too deep because I can't remember the guy's name, but you know the archaeologist and I think he was an amateur for that time, and I think everybody was an amateur really that discovered the lost city of Troy. You know, people were like Troy didn't exist from the Trojan horse and. All of the Odyssey and everything mm-hmm. and the Iliad. No, that didn't exist. That's all just something that Homer made up. And the guy's like, no, nah, I think this really existed. And so he fucked around, digging around in the 1800s and finally found it. And like, oh, there you go. Yeah. And everybody's at the time, all his colleagues were like, nah, it's just made up bullshit. Yeah. So, and that's one of those things that it's what always stuck out. Cause you know, I've always been on that fringe of, in search of and yeah. all that kind of stuff. When I was a kid, I always watched all those sh- movies that they made. And one of them was Chariot of the Gods that was based on the book by Eric Von Donken or whatever his name is. But that was one of the things they pointed out is, oh, yeah, y'all are acting like this is all bullshit, all these aliens and stuff. But this guy found Troy. I was like, yeah. all right, there you go. 
Aliens pyramids. There you go. Right. Uh, no, I was, what I was thinking about is I would love to see Burns do a documentary on post-colonial Africa. Mm. Because just like Vietnam, there's so many forces involved oh. and so many perspectives. And it's one of those things that just like Vietnam, we were never taught about. Yeah. And it's hard to discern the good guys from the bad guys. Right. And, you know, that's that's one of those things that I think we as a society have really screwed up wise uh, up on our education is that we barely got anything about Vietnam yeah. when we were kids. And I'm sure now it's it no still better. still too fresh. It was still too fresh, but it was a huge, I mean, it was, it damn near tore the country apart. Yeah. You know, and, and we mentioned this several months ago, or it was right after the election, when, uh, you know, people talking about, you know, never seen the country this polarized before. And, but, you know, I think I told you, I was like, you know, for anybody that says that, they either did not live through or don't remember the 60s. I agree. Because, I mean, we weren't alive then, but just from the documentaries of, like, I still want to see that movie Detroit. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that, no. And, I mean,. And even in Ken Burns' Vietnam documentary, I mean, it yeah, they, they, highlights they highlight it. quite a bit of just the, I mean... The strife, not just the war, but also the, the civil rights. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, and the... Do you remember... I saw this guy... Occasionally, I get over on TED Talks. Can't channel. stand him. Absolutely can't stand him. You don't him. like him? Do not like him. I've tried. It's one of those things that I... I know I should like, yeah. but I'd rather I'd rather go back and listen to our stupid shit than listen to one TED talk. Really? Yeah. And I've tried and tried and tried. Why? Why don't you like it? I, I it's too liberal for you. No. You know I consume an awful lot of liberal ideas. Right. Which I'm anxious to hear your bent on it. I don't like they're pretentious. First of all. Mm-hmm. And I generally don't like, even though I'm guilty of it on City of Gustav's at times, I don't like a solo presentation. Okay. They are very liberal as a general rule. Yeah. And they make me roll my eyes sometimes at the content. But hell, there's people that I love far more that get into those depths that I roll my eyes at, but I still keep coming back for. Right. I just can't do them. And I've tried and tried. The best I could ever try for to stick with was on the um, NPR where they have the TED Talks show that has the host and it's interspersed and there's some back and forth dialogue. I can stomach that. So you don't like somebody a doing bit. a presentation? Fuck no. <laughs> That's funny. There's a certain irony to that. I do realize on yeah. on a professional level. Right. Yes. Okay. But I don't. I can't. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail your no. TED I talk. asked. I asked. Yeah, but it's one of those things that I, you know, I tried, tried hard. I like, which I don't agree with everything I hear on there, but I do like that it makes you think. I don't disagree about that. No. Yeah, I do like that. And there was one I was watching recently that I was like, "That's an interesting perspective," and I and it's. And it stuck with me. I've just been mulling it over. It was this guy, he was talking about, and I know this is one that you're just going to like grit your teeth and roll your eyes. 
Do I need to put my, he my was mouth talking, guard in that I put in at night so I don't grind my teeth? He was talking about uh, injustice. Okay. And he was talking about, and, and this, I don't think, seeing it again, this is just one of those where I see both sides and both sides are right. That the United States was built on genocide. Okay. Also something I was thinking about on the drive up here. Today, really? yes, okay. Co- general colonialism and discovery and anywhere where there's a where there was indigenous people, indigenous people through the history of time. I yeah. wasn't just thinking about the U.S., but just I, w- I was thinking about how, other than a few blank spots in the world, there's no un. Um, there's never been a smooth settling. Well, there's no place that's not settled anymore. I right. mean, there's Antarctica and the deep Amazon, but there, there's no place. And so I was thinking that in the history of man, if somebody settles somewhere, somebody else loses. Yes. And, and that's the way, which I've gone back and forth with this. I mean, since my thinking, Right. Adulthood, you know, starting, not even adulthood, but starting in junior high. Cause me and you were both very interested and involved in Native American, I'll say Native American studies. Yes. Okay. And, uh, you know, and kind of at that point in time when we were Utes, mm-hmm. we looked at it as, wow, it's just, this is awful what happened. And it is awful what happened. Right. But then as an adult, you look at it and s- think well one people invaded a country and took it over and that's just the kind of shit that happens when an invading force takes over a country and even before that before those people got there right they were yes the tribes were invading each other territory of each other so it it goes back to that it's always been that way it's, it's always like that and i think what really made me think about it was in my readings over the last few years over the Comanches. Yes. And how, you know, for through the 1700s up until about the early 1800s, uh, they were always the at the short end of the stick as far as getting pushed around. But once they got the horse mm-hmm. from Spain in the early 1800s, late 1700s, and built their their tribe upon that. Then they started overtaking other tribes and right. taking back other lands. And they, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, it's just the white. I mean, they would take over and either annihilate another tribe or force that tribe to become part of theirs and just right. assimilate and just yeah, it, take it over. It's the history so, of man. I mean, that's the hist- history of man. But anyway, this guy was talking about. America was built on genocide and how, as Americans, we don't talk about that. We don't acknowledge that. And he was then talking about other countries that have kind of been through, that have been through genocide as well, more recent, like Germany, and how those countries make for sure that everybody knows i mean it's you know which i've never been to germany but he was talking about you know you get in germany you can't go anywhere without seeing 
reminders and plaques and this, that, and the other about the genocide that happened to make sure that people know. His take on it was to make sure that people know that as Germans today, we're not like this. We recognize that this was wrong. And we're going to move forward from it. But we, you know, we reckon he's talking about even in Rwanda after the genocide that they went through that now they're that that government, which that government could be overthrown next week. Right. But uh, but they want to make sure people don't forget about the genocide that happened. And, hey, yes, this happened. This we don't want to forget this because this was bad. And we don't want this to happen again kind of thing. And I was like, that is interesting that America just kind of pretty much just whitewashes over that, whitewashes over, uh, even after the Civil War, some of the horrible stuff that happened in the South after that and with lynchings and all that kind of stuff. And it's just... There might be a plaque about a lynching as a reminder, but there's no names mentioned. There's no, no and, and it's, it's just kind of like, eh, and let's even just if not you, talk about it. Even if you do know about it, and this came up in our personal text, where where I live, I knew that there had been a, a distinct for, lynching that, yes. that had made that had made the news back in the the depression. Yeah. I knew that it happened, and there may be a plaque there i hadn't gone to look but i think there was a plaque at the courthouse but once i that article that i shared i had no clue that it was as extensive as it was yeah i didn't either now i do think and this has always been one of those perspective issues that i've struggled with because as you mentioned you know we've always been i think more aware of history than a lot of our companion, you know, our cohorts. our cohorts and our cohorts as a general rule, were fairly well educated as well. Now that doesn't even take into consideration people that of a lower socioeconomic standpoint, how their perspective was. Yeah. So we might know about, you know, the Tulsa riots mm-hmm. and the lynchings there and, burning down the entire black population of Tulsa's homes in the depression. You know, we know about that, but tons of people that our age probably right. don't. And Tulsa's not that far away. Yeah. You know? Well, hell, and even the one. And the one that the that we were talking about, I had burned, no clue. Burned down the courthouse. Blew it up. That, and, yeah. And then I mean, went around burning parts of the town. Yeah. Martial law and everything. So. I agree. And that was in the 30s. The 30s. 1930s. Right. And that that's one of those things like we knew people that yeah. were adults when that happened. Yeah. And that just blows my mind. And that's one of those things that that that's that makes you step back. Mhm. Cuz we knew people that were that age that were on both sides of the color barrier. Yeah. So, we knew people that either probably knew somebody that was involved with that on the white side mm-hmm. and we knew people that no doubt knew somebody that suffered from that on the black side. Right. And that, and that's talking about perspective of time. That was only 40 something years before we were born. Yeah. That's the equivalent of somebody right now 
something happening in 1974. Right. Which that'll blow your mind. And yeah. I, there's no doubt that in, with everything going on, and we are not going to do statue or kneeling talk in any way, no. shape, or form. But there's no doubt that we are not where we would like to be as far as racial uh, issues in this country. But when I think about what the perspective is of what it's like right now versus what it's like in 1974 when we were kids, things weren't great, but they weren't that far off now. Yeah. Versus what it was like in 1974 when we were born versus 40 years before that. Yeah. That's insane. Right. That that much changed in that time period. We don't have, as far as our generation, people born in the 70s, we have no clue about what, how big of a paradigm shift that was. No. That we went from, in a 40 year time, literally a town erupting and people had, you know, people fighting against the law in order to, to lynch a man, a black man, and then burning down black houses. And to, burning down the court, blowing, and burn, up, the blowing court, up the courthouse. Yeah. yeah. To go into now, you know, 40 years later where it's integrated and, you know, my kindergarten teacher's a black lady that's one of the, you know, right. sweetest women in the world that you know, I loved like a, a mom for half my life. You know, that's just insane that. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's a strange, a strange world, which but we, but back to the genocide thing, we were more in tune with that. We were more in tune with, you know, the history as far as big events. Obviously right. we were blind to how detailed that one was, but we were more in tune to the massacres and wounded knee and things right, like that. Right. Sand Creek. And- but I don't think other people may have necessarily right. been, which, which I remember learning this, reading about this in high school. Which I never heard, which I remember asking my parents about it, and they didn't know anything about it. The AIM movement in the 70s. Yeah, taking over Alcatraz. Yeah, and even up in Dakota, they shot a federal agent. Mm -hmm. And And Russell Means, who played the dad in Last of the Mohicans, the the older Uh Indian. He was in that. He was in AIM. He went to prison for that. I forgot about that. For the wounded knee stuff. And... uh, you know, that was in mid-70s? I, I say he went to prison. I need to fact check that. I want to say he had to do some time for that. But yeah, that was 70s. Yeah, that was mid-70s, you know. I mean, and I remember asking my parents about it, and they're like, I don't remember anything about that. Yeah. And yeah. so it's just like, what, and even at that time, it's like what they choose to report about on the national news, you know. Well, I know it made the news, but how long it made the news. Right. Because that was a big deal, because Alcatraz had been shut down. And they occupied Alcatraz and for See, I don't for I didn't a while. know that. That was on the news. And then yeah, all the I just stuff, remember up, the in the stuff up in the Dakotas. Yeah. I remember reading about the stuff right. in the Dakotas. So it's it is a perspective. And you know, I think part of that again, what are you gonna put on the news? Mm-hmm. But back then you had thirty minutes of the national news a night. Right, they had to talk about Berlin, or uh, you know, we not, had not Berlin. They had to talk about uh, the Soviets and the Soviets and Lebanon, and you know, that was all. That was there was a lot of stuff going on, and so you had thirty minutes there, and then that's all you had. 
We yeah. didn't have the 24-hour news cycle yeah. where you're finding about everything possible. Which I don't like. It, I don't it, like it. It used either. to be cool. Like 20 years ago, it was kind of cool. Yeah, I know. In fact, I stopped watching all of that in about maybe 09. Really? Yeah. I, I don't watch any of it anymore. I'm just like, I don't care. I don't, I mean. I still read. Yeah, I read, but but I'm, I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't like want to sit there and watch them beat a dead horse. I don't and, like. I don't like the opposing. You know the pundits because yeah. they just get whoever they can. Right. You know, it's not like they're getting the best and well, the they, brightest. They get who they can f- to make the best ratings. Yeah. You and, know, it's and I go back to my love of old firing line episodes. I enjoy that when it's the somebody that's opposite of Buckley, and it's somebody that really is on- intelligent. Well, not even that. Maybe they totally believe it. Okay. Like, there's an episode where Huey Newton, one of the leaders of the Black Panthers, goes on there. And even though he got some degrees, <laughs> uh, he was batshit crazy. Yeah. Okay. And Buckley doesn't just bring the hammer down on him, but he lets him talk and it's right. clear that he believes, you know, he's going on about Mao Zedong and shit. And it's, it's a fascinating hour. Yeah. But you knew he believed everything he was saying. Right. And he wasn't just there just to pump up. They're paying me to be on here. So I'm going to right. fight, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I stopped about 09, I think. Yeah. That would have been about then because I was out in Pasadena. Yeah, I just got tired because I used to watch it every morning. That I'd watch it while I was getting ready, and I'd yeah. watch it when I came. I just I don't even flip over there. It's anymore. unhealthy. Yeah, it's not. It just it'll turn you into a one of those old bitter people. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, but then you have to, and I think we all do a pretty good job of this. You have to go then find where you're going to find reliable sources. Find reliable, reliable sources, news. and even then, you've got to kind of take. A sampling, right? To get there's a little bit what here. Do you, and a what do you bit read? Here. Where do you read your news at nowadays? Uh, you know, I'll I'll do an aggregate where I'll look at I'll see what the BBC says. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they're biased too. There's not right. like they're anything. I will look at you know. I'll see if it's if it's international. I might look Compare at BBC to the InfoWars. I'll, I'll go check out InfoWars immediately. <laughs> uh, I'll check uh, Rutgers. What do you, what's your take on Rutger, Reuters? Reuters, I mean, sorry. They're, everything's... Yeah. You I, know, I like to think that that's a reliable source. But even then, it's kind of... I mean, I'll... I'll look at Russian Times, RT. I'll, you know, I'll. I'm not doing any of that shit. I, of course you're not. I, it's just one of those things. Going back to the Infowars thing, which is totally, you know, it's off on its own planet. There are things though that come up now, and just like if Infowars had been around during Vietnam, they would be throwing shit out there. Half of it would be crazy, but half of it would be like, holy shit, this is. <sighs> I, I won't give them half. I'll say no, no. Half I'll would be say, I'll say a quarter of it is true. Yeah, I think that's. I think and that's. I think that's even generous. You think that's even generous? I think that. Well, I mean, as far as to put quotations around true, I think okay. that's. I think that's generous. But 
like anything, just like a rumor, like when we play the telephone game mm-hmm. with kids in kindergarten, there's this kernel. There's now, a nugget of truth somewhere in there. Now, the thing that InfoWars does, and things like InfoWars, so I don't want to just beat up on them, I think that they throw so many things out there, eventually you're going to hit something that, that lands. Yeah. Whereas, maybe because of... And it makes me think of All the President's Men, which I love that movie. Mm. You know, those guys were chasing down something crazy. Mm-hmm. And they gave, them the, they gave them enough rope to do it. But they went, you know, that, that was batshit crazy to a, a layman that wasn't in tune with the political world. That yeah. that sort of thing could happen. Yeah. Now, now we know that shit probably was happening forever. Yeah. It wasn't just Nixon just got caught. Right. And... You know, things like that. It's like, well, you know, and then you'll see, like, who would have ever thought, you know, InfoWars goes about this global, you know, pedophilia thing a bunch. What? Oh, yeah, that there's a global conspiracy of pedophilia and everything. Yeah, it's, it goes back to Pizzagate and all that stuff. Oh, Jesus Christ. But if someone had said that, the Catholic Church is covering up pedophilia on a huge scale 40 years ago. Yeah. Nobody would like, you're, you're fucking out of your mind. Right. And then now we've lived through that and seen yeah. that something that crazy. Yeah, it's true. Or that the government's given uh, black men in Tuskegee syphilis. Right. You know, oh, that's, that's insane. Nobody's doing that. Well, yeah, okay, we were. Yeah. So it's one of those crazy things. What's okay? Talking about other news sources, which I mean, there's so much stuff online nowadays, and I don't know what's legit and what's not legit, and what's and what's the hill. Do you ever run across that? I, I Is, see that one. I don't that, go look at that one. I don't what, even know what side that that leans to. I don't either. That's what I was fixing to ask you. What does that lean? Because I, I know think po- it. I think it's supposed to lean, or they're. I think they want you to think <laughs> that it leans conservative side, I, but I don't know that that's true. I, I, it, I think it might supposed to. So the, I, the only I, ones I that I know, know for sure. So I just I just get, I get my news from John McKay. There you go. You know I I and Cynthia is a gala. Since we cut the cord, I don't see any of that. Either. Yeah. I, I will. Don't either. I, I will check that. my local station online. Oh Lord! You know that's always a good hoot. And I think I've got some. Uh, you spell check the well. The uh, what I love is they tweet now too. You know what I find interesting on that new on that app is in a news story they'll have a quote from somebody like they'll have it in quotes, but then they never tell who they're. It's <laughs> <laughs> like. A person at the, or it's like they'll have, right. you know, a scene of a crash or something like that. And they'll have a statement from supposedly a witness in mm-hmm. quotes, but then they never even say where Who that quote was. came from. They didn't say a witness at the scene or anything like that. I mean, it's just piss poor journalism. Well, you watched, you watched all the wire, didn't you? Yes. That makes me all, all news now makes me think not to give spoilers for the, five people that hadn't seen it, but that final season of The Wire and the newsroom and the reporter that's always... I don't remember that. Oh, you don't? No. Yeah. I'll cut it. Yes, 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 yes. I do remember that part. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, I, it's I would things. hate to. Could you imagine being a college student right now, majoring in journalism? Oh, you just have to. I don't know what. I don't know how there's still a journalism department. I don't either. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not one of these conspiracy theory people, and I don't trust journalists. I mean, you just can't. And, and it's funny. Even I was watching last Friday night. On the new season of a football life, it uh-huh. started on NFL Network. They had one on Emmett Smith. It's fabulous, by the way. They were going back to where I think it was Emmett's second year when he, or third year, second or third year when he had a contract holdout, and the Cowboys started horrible. And uh, a reporter's asking Troy Aikman, you know, if what his thoughts are on it, and blah 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 blah. Well, he's he's the team captain. Right. He's the quarterback. Who you got to you got to put on a good show. And he's like, well, you know, we're we're gonna continue to try to win. And you know, we can win. We can we can win without Emmett. We can you know, we just got to put our. Well, then the headline of the Dallas Morning News is Troy Aikman says the Cowboys can win without Emmett Smith. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's they're asking Aikman about it, and he starts laughing. He's like, that's not really what. I mean, this was the early nineties. He's yeah. like. That's that's really kind of taken out of context, you know. <laughs> and he's laughing about it. He's like, "That's not what it what right. I meant," you know. But even how they just cherry pick. Yeah, it's not. That, I mean, and it's always been like yes, that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we had yellow you, journalism. In fact, Hearst basically caused the Spanish American War. Yes, I mean, and that's one thing I will say. Our high school American history teacher. Yes. Spent a lot of time teaching us about yellow journalism mm-hmm. and, uh, oh, what's the other term? Muckrakers. Yes. Now, were you and, in the class that had to do the extra reading? I don't think so. So, I know Ty and I were in the, uh, we're a year ahead of you. I don't know that he still did it, but we were in the uh, honors class where every six weeks you had to read a historical novel that fit in with the the time Mm -hmm. so we had to do the jungle Mm. uh during the yellow journalism time and then we had to read all the king's men during the depression uh around the depression so about huey long basically Mm -hmm. and then we had to do grapes of wrath who wrote all the king's men i couldn't tell you right now off the top of my hand jungle was sinclair sinclair okay which is like the that's the meat packers right? that's the meat packers yeah okay uh, we read, what was the third one you just said? Uh, okay, so hold on, I'm thinking about we did Frank Norris, The Octopus, for uh, wheat production. Never read that. It's great. Really? Yeah. I, I think you would really like it. Okay. It's, it was supposed to be a trilogy about wheat and then... I like wheat. How growing the wheat, then the transporting the wheat. I don't think I ever read the second book, if it even exists. Uh, getting to Chicago... Mm-hmm. And then the third was going to be about the wolf and how it that wheat went to Europe and the impact there. But he died like TB or something. Okay, very nineteenth century ish. So we, did we don't that. have enough TB anymore. Yeah, we do. Well, I mean, not like we used to. Um, no, it's coming back. That's good. Yeah, and it's not. But it's uh, we have been spoiled in the U.S. Pete, Pete see people hacking blood in their handkerchief. We have been spoiled in the U.S. with the. Uh, suppressing tb but the rest of the world it's coming on strong yeah yeah when i was in college we had a tb scare on campus yeah it's i a, had a friend that's in college that had tb she didn't things. show any signs or anything well you I, can, I was you can have dress it. up like doc holiday but yeah it didn't uh, happen that's one of the things that 
anywhere that has any um, population center where there's a big immigrant. You can blame it on the immigrants. Well, that's where we see. Okay. Like, the All pe- right. Just the, the people this. in Nebraska at the hospitals there, they're not doing a lot of TB work. The people in Galveston. the seaports, you see it in the seaports where lots of third world Africa, Asia, it's big in Asia. Yeah. So you see that. Like SARS. Yeah, exactly like SARS. Yeah. Exactly. That's why they all wear those Michael Jackson masks over there. You know what? It's not a bad damn idea. I ain't wearing it. Just wear a bandana. <laughs> that way you look like. I look a bandito. Look at you. Anyway, damn, you got me derailed. What were the books? Oh. The Jungle. The Jungle, The Octopus, All the King's Men, Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath. Who wrote that? John Steinbeck. Steinbeck. That's right. Um, uh, we had to do Sister Carrie. What's that? That's about a girl that goes from small town America to the big city and is ruined in the not- late 19th century. And we did Farewell to Manzanar, which is about the internment, which, you know what? Ameri- Farewell to what? Manzanar. That's about okay. the internment of the Japanese Americans oh. during World War II. Yeah. That's one we don't talk much about. Exactly. How... And did you notice on this Ken Burns uh, Vietnam, the Asian guy that interviews quite a bit, I don't know if you've got to him yet or not, he's Japanese-American. He was born in a Japanese internment camp in somewhere in California right. that he ends up, you know. He was now, the I don't hi- think I've gotten to him he yet. He was the highest decorated Japanese-American soldier right. in Vietnam. He was born in a freaking internment camp. Yeah. I mean, that's... And while he was there, he he was the youngest of his siblings. All his brothers were way older. They were serving in the the U.S. military. Right. But his parents get thrown in an internment camp. It's like, wow. Yeah, they they would only send, if you were uh, a Japanese-American at the time, you would only be sent to the European theater. Wow. Because they didn't trust you to go to to the Pacific. Right. So they sent you to Europe. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. And that's only like 75 years ago. Yeah. That our country rounded up citizens yep. and stuck them out in tar paper huts out in the desert. But you know what? I wonder. I would like to think that our country now is like, no, that's wrong. But I'm not so sure the majority of our country would say that. I think there's a couple of things that... Certainly, the majority of the country didn't think anything was wrong with it at the time. Right. Now, okay, when the talks came for, I don't know, man, it just rounding up Muslims and putting, there's a good portion of the country, I'd say damn near half. I know. Like, that. I think that's far do too you, high. Do you think that's too high? I think that's far too high. I think that's far too high. Okay. Well, let's say. Now. Now, I will say 47%. this. 47%. Now, I think that's still far too high as an aggregate, okay? Now, I think that if you cherry-picked specific locations in the country, well, yeah, you would Which, get far higher. But no, 47 yeah. no, I think I think that that number you and think maybe 40% would say yes. I think that's still too high. No, I think 40% would say well, you know, it's better safe than sorry. No, I think that's way too high. No. I think that's insane. I, I, I think you're optimistic. Very optimistic. Now, I think you're, I think you're overly pessimistic. And we're going to end it on that. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can email us about any of this bullshit you want. You can email uh, heavy for more uh, crappie talk. Crappie talk, if that's really what you want. And if that's what you want, I'll give it to you. I'll just give him the mic and sit here shaking my head. But uh, our Ecuadorian listener, let's let's hear some. Send us an email. Let's hear some stories from Ecuador. Tell us about Ecuador. Tell what, us of your, what about our what about our our. Australian listener, you don't got, care about him? I hadn't gotten there yet. I want to hear Ecuador first, because <laughs> it's going to be cheaper to get to Ecuador than it is Australia. That's true. So if me and Gus were to come down to Ecuador, what would be three things that we had to see? All right, we want to, we want to know that. Okay, and then for our Australian listener, what's the biggest crocodile you've ever wrestled? How far can you throw a boomerang? And how many kangaroos do you own? No, seriously, on besides those three. Besides. Besides those three, which you said he's from Melbourne? Uh, he, yeah, he works in Melbourne. Okay. What's the three? Tell us the three coolest things about Australia, which that's a huge freaking country. It's a huge country. It's so different depending yeah. on if I mean, you're on the coast. Yeah, in an urban center versus if you're out. Yeah, in, uh, tell us the three coolest things about Melbourne. That do. All right, well that's a good start. And then the biggest crocodile you've ever not wrestled. What's the biggest crocodile you've ever seen? Okay. Okay. Well, and if you're from another country, because we get them, we get listeners from all over the world. We would love to hear any of those same things about your country as well. Absolutely. And if you're some lameo. From the United States, and you want to tell us how great your state is? Let's hear from you. If you want to be interstate man and tell us how great Titus County is, go ahead. Nothing wrong with Titus County. I know Some it. good folks out in Titus County. All right. Well, oh, you know what? I think I don't haven't mentioned Megan on huh. Megan's Movie Podcast yet. Okay. And if I don't mention her, she will pitch a uh, fit. Pitch a fit. Okay. And she won't. She probably won't even listen to this episode once she figures out Ty's not here. Probably not. But there you go. All right. Email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com, and I guess we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. To me, revolution uh, carries a special uh, connotation, and of course, it's only my subjective kind of uh, feelings about it. And uh, But I have to distinguish between changes of power and uh, just uh, for my own way of thinking, uh-huh. Uh, establish calling one a flower and the other a skunk, and uh, but uh, well, I, 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 I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't argue the absolute kind of uh, uh, definition to uh, you know the conditions that I'm talking about. Well, I I, 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 I grant that you have considerable, considerable authority in your movement. I, I'm not sure that you have an authority to. Uh, to uh, impose your own terminology. Um, uh, well, I argue <laughs> that uh, your definition is not necessarily a lexical definition. Uh, I already granted you if you want to stipulate that it uh, that as a definition of revolution, I'll entertain it. But well, uh, maybe, maybe this is the occasion to say about the historian Macaulay that he shouldn't have referred to the glorious revolution of 1688 because it didn't fit your standard. But well, meanwhile, he wrote 13 volumes well, on the subject I, I said that he and could refer, it revolution. Well, he could refer to it any way uh, he liked. He did. And uh, I said that if we want to he, appreciate he, he his... He wasn't an imperialist, was he? Uh, I say uh. if he... 
if we want to appreciate its definition, fine. Uh, I'm not attempting to uh, to, st uh, to stipulate a new definition. Uh, there are uh, authorities that I could cite uh, that would call a revolution a uh, very special thing. Uh, one authority would be uh, the uh, scholar, philosopher, uh, Chairman Mao Zedong. Uh, they would only call a people's movement uh, and the uh, overthrow of the uh, authority by the proletarians a revolution. But I wouldn't argue, uh, well, actually, I wouldn't support <clears throat> Chairman Mao uh, against you uh, in saying that that is the only uh, definition. Unfortunately, with the English language or the, uh, especially with the American language, that's a little different from the English language. Uh, that's uh, a pretty vague thing, and you have so many lexical definitions that uh, directly contradict uh, each other. What are you hoping to accomplish with that? What, are you going to pay me back? If you do that, it's over. And world-class championship wrestling, I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Salley. Good night from Dallas, Texas.